mission is my life. It's in my DNA. From above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. Join me as I travel the world in search of the most insane fishing experiences on the planet. Alrighty, g'day and welcome to Al McGlashan's podcast. Now, I know I've been a little bit, well, let's say really slack. In fact, last time I was slack, and I've got to say, for everyone that's been sending in the emails, some polite, some not so polite about not doing another podcast, I do appreciate it. And if you want to send donations, just send them through as well, because you know I do this just for the labour of love. But this time round, and because we're isolated, all that COVID stuff, thank you, China, for sending that to everyone else in the world, but that's all right. We'll deal with it, because at least I'm stuck with odds. And you know what? That's the best part for today. She's shaking her head because I've already brought up politically incorrect comments. That's all right. Odds and I started fishing together a couple of years ago, and the first fish I saw her catch, did you catch a dolphin fish or not? No. <laughs> what did you catch? No, no. Oh, blue marlin. Yeah. Oh, oh it's close to a dolphin fish. But they're related because they live in the same water. That's close. Pretty switched on with this. So what we're going to do is go through all the stuff with dolphin fish, talk about all Audie's amazing experiences with dolphin fish. Have you had any? <laughs> I fought the deck with one <laughs> as I tried to pick it up. And it just... Did its normal muscular throw. Can I around. just explain that this is a podcast? So when you show motions, <laughs> that Sorry. everyone out there, and this goes all around the world, don't actually see you raising your hands up. That you have to explain with verbal content. Right. No, I picked it up and it started to thrash around, and I ended up throwing it on the deck and got in trouble for for playing with my lunch. There is video footage to prove it. We will load that up onto <laughs> oh, no. YouTube or Insta. <laughs> Because remember, you can follow us on all those, and they're the best ones that you can do. Actually, at the moment, we've just put up one of my underwater photos, and we're going to go through underwater photography as well about dolphin fish and how to do it. But if you go to Insta, which is Al McGlasher, there's a really cool shot. I'm a little bit biased because I took it, but, you know, that's, that's what it is. Okay, let's get into dolphin fish. Now, Ords, did you know that dolphin fish are mahi, dorado, dolphin fish? Everywhere around the world, they seem to have a different name but it's all the same species. There's only, I think there's only two subspecies or something, I think, of dolphin fish. Did you know we had to stop using the term dolphin fish in texts, etc., or or to the point on Facebook or Instagram because people actually thought we were referring to killing dolphins? You know what? Those people, these politically correct ones, tell them to get stuffed. (laughs) It is stupidity. See, you've got me on it again. It is absolute stupidity. It is called a dolphin fish because... One of the ones was that they jumped like a dolphin mm-hmm. when they jumped towards the boat. Yeah. Uh, another one was that I read that they look like a dolphin underwater, which is the most stupid thing I've ever heard. But you know what? For all you politically correct, and that's what the government seems to be all the time now, is politically correct about everyone, you're dickheads. Sorry, you are just dickheads. People have opinions, and if someone doesn't like it, bad luck. You don't, you're not always correct. That's for the younger generation too. You're bringing out the best of me today. We've hardly even started the cork. Okay. I'm back on it. It's now, reset. they're wide-ranging. They're throughout all tropical and subtropical waters, all three major oceans. So you know I've caught them in Kenya, Hawaii, PNG, uh, Samoa, Fiji, 
Vanuatu. Don't know if I've caught one in New Zealand. Obviously, Australia, East and West Coasts, Christmas Island, both Australian and Pacific. We've got two of them. Mm. Um, Florida, New York. I think I've run out of places. I've caught them. <laughs> so there you go. So they're everywhere. You can find them from Kenya to Florida, Ascension Island. Oh, we caught them in Ascension Island as well. There you go. There's mm-hmm. another one. To Hawaii. So they're really wide ranging. And as we said, they're tropical and subtropical. But what we're going to go through a bit later on is show that they actually go further south. So Australia's East Australian Current, which is on our side, the other side, because we're stuck in Western Australia at the moment, is that it's actually pushing south. So they're now going into temperate waters. And that's why we're seeing them plays like even South Australia's caught them. So for everyone in the world, South Australia is the bottom end of Australia, sort of pretty much between what's that? Western Australia and Victoria, mm-hmm. and it's nowhere near any dolphin fish country. They've caught them there. They've caught them in Victoria out of Portland so, and the Southern Ocean. So it's fascinating that these fish are actually travelling a lot more than we, than we really know. And you know one of the biggest things, and I keep going on about it, is we need research. We need to know what they're doing like, so we can learn about them. I did a, a, um, some testing with or research with Steph Brody years and years ago. We did kingfish and we did dolphin fish trying to learn their movements, and they're all shifting south on the East Coast. Really? Yeah, pretty cool, eh? Yeah, right. So, so yeah, so they're found everywhere. They're an offshore species as well. So they're found out wide, which means realistically I'd say the continental shelf, which is 200 fathoms, mm-hmm. 100 fathoms, 200 metres. But they are also in areas like New South Wales and that where the current spills over and comes in, they come in close as well. And I think it's similar in Florida. Someone from Florida needs to come back and tell us about that because I think you guys get them up in shallow water there as well. So they're a fascinating fish, you know, that they can do it. Biggest mahi. Now, this is the one that everyone... We've had a few questions about the biggest mahi, biggest dolphin fish, biggest dorado. For me, mine was 25 kilos. So we're up at Port Macquarie, north coast of New South Wales. So for everyone worldwide, that's uh, four hours off the coast from Sydney. Fishing in January, so when the current, when the East Australian current's really roaring, out there back in the old days, no idea what we're doing. No idea what we're doing, I should say. I have improved. Don't laugh when I say that. I've actually improved in time. And we're, we're trolling along and we saw this fish come up and I thought it was a spearfish. I had no idea what it was. It's right there behind the boat, hooked up, had two on, one fell off, got mine, and it went 25.2 kilos. Oh, I've got a photo. It was actually before, for all you younger generation, before you actually had digital. It's a slide film or print film. So in the real old days. I was a lot thinner then. Made it look bigger. <laughs> and it was awesome. Like hooked on 24 kilo tackle. It's jumping everywhere. And to this day, that's the biggest one I've ever caught. So 25 kilos is what, 45, 50 pounds, mm. I suppose, 50 pounds, something like that. So worldwide, there's been a few. Now, all the big ones seem to be coming out of Central America. So they had one in Cabo San Lucas in 1993 that was an 80 pound record for ladies. And I haven't put the actual weight in for that one, which I think was 37 kilos, something like that. The old tackle record, according to the IGFA, is 87 pounds, which is 39.46, which I'd call 40 kilos. Mm. That is a massive dolphin. But I don't know exactly where they caught that one, which would be interesting to see where it came and, you know, where it was caught. But Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico always seem to be the area that get the biggest one. But what's really interesting is Australia 
So if the world record's 39, the Australian record's 38 kilos. Gosh. East Coast, which is really interesting because you guys don't get big ones here on the West Coast. On the Indian Ocean side, you don't seem to get massive dolphin like we do at all. I thought we did get some large ones, but obviously How no. big? I don't know. Come on, this is it. No. <laughs> this is national radio. Podcast, I want to talk it up a bit. Close that, but, but I've seen some big ones bought over the side. I haven't bought a big one over the side, but... What's your biggest you've seen here? I have no idea, but there, as I said, is video footage of my first, which was probably my biggest. How big? I couldn't tell you. I'm oh, not I good am. at estimating the weights. I'd have to ask... 10 kilos, the, um, 20 kilos, 50 kilos. Let's go under. Let's say... <laughs> No, I How long? <laughs> How long was it? Don't you love it when you put on the spot? I told you you get put on the spot. Biggest mahi caught in Western Australia. There we go. We're going to see what size they come to. Great thing about having the internet. Western Angler. 15.3 kilos. Yeah. Ace Coral Bay. There you go. So 50, So that's a standard one. We caught. We saw them over on the mm. East Coast with us. Yeah, definitely. I'm just going to type in while we're at it and just see what the biggest mahi... And just so you know the difference between your East Coast current, we get a little bit more complex over here. We call it the Lewin current. Yeah, so ours is East Coast, East Australian current. So that you and you get the that. Lewin current, which is actually a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. So Sport Fishing Mag, which is actually, can you believe Sport Fishing Mag, which Doug Olander, who I fished with many, many years ago, picked me up in his sports car with rod sticking out in Orlando, <laughs> Florida, went fishing. Has actually, can you believe this? The mag has closed down. Oh, really? Yep. So I think Marlin mag's still going, but it's closed down as well. So very sort of sad state of affairs for magazines. For me, all those years of writing magazine articles and they were the good old days. I'm starting, I'm starting to sound old now. And now they've all gone. So that's gone as well. And, you know, it's all this social media stuff instead. So it's just changed so much. We've lost all that. Yep, it's just, and all that skilled photography in those days is all gone now. It's just, yeah, very disappointing. It certainly is a sad state of affairs, you know, with the magazines. And do you know what you lose? You lose, it's interesting now that you get, and this is diversity, I seem to constantly diversify on these, these talks, but anyway, is that you used to have experts that were really good, and that's how they earned it. Now you have this social influences, mm -hmm. which... Basically, in fishing, if you've got a bikini, you've got more rating. No, no, that's what it is. More people will follow you than someone that's good at fishing. So, Ords, what we need from now on is you're in a bikini. So, everyone, no. Lordy Croft will Definitely be bikining it up. Definitely. Either she does it or I'll do it. <laughs> There's the challenge. Next fishing trip, you will be in a bikini. I don't know if that's really good for everyone in the world, <laughs> and self included. All right, back to it. Now, there was another one, and I remember um, Cameron Kirk Cannell put it up. He's a famous bureau from over the US, which was a Dennis Braid with a fish there, a dolphin fish that was a true monster. And I think it was caught down in Panama. I'm not exactly sure where they were. And I can't for the life of me remember the way the fish. There's a famous photo of him with a bloke holding it up. That's that massive one where the fish stands as tall as what the two anglers do. Yeah, even taller, you know. And I think from memory, uh, it was one of those fish that, God, I think it was, I vaguely remember 100 pounds, but I can't remember. Maybe someone can send in a message. Once this goes live, get on there and tell us if you've found a bigger one. Wow. Yeah, it's a massive fish, isn't it? So for Australia, 38 kilos, which for the Australian one, I remember it being caught 
out of Botany Bay, I reckon. So Sydney, you get some really big dolphin fish. Oh, right. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. But it is. It's one of those things. And there's a lot of reports now because people don't, like in Australia, the Game Fishing Association, they don't follow it to rules. Even when I caught that massive bluefin, I never put the claim in. Yeah. Still the biggest one ever caught on 24-kilo tackle, which is not because people have caught bigger ones, but they're just not stupid enough to do it on 24-kilo. And they're now <laughs> doing it, catch because it, it was 155 back then. They're now doing it on heavier tackle because it shows how much smarter they are than I was because I'd never do it again. If someone wants to beat that on 24, it's all bloody yours. All right, let's talk facts and figures. Now, Ords, did you know that some of the info I've got or found out is they reckon that dolphin fish can travel at 80 kilometres an hour, which is what, 35 miles? No, 40, about 35 miles. I don't know how they test that. I read that on the internet, so it may or may not be totally true. But the big thing, and a fair few people asked about this, is growth rates. Because they all say dolphin fish are one of the fastest growing fish in the sea. And now Don Hammond, who is a marine biologist in the US, I spoke to him ages ago about this, and he does the dolphin fish research program from memory. And they're doing heaps of research, way more than we do in Australia. Australia just doesn't do enough research. We no. need to do more research. On these fish, they're important. You know, all these pelagics especially, and collaborate. I did on mako sharks. There were people cracking the sads because they were saying they were doing research, but no one's doing any bloody research. Yeah. Who's doing research? We need to know, and they don't tell you, and then they keep all quiet because they do that science thing that, oh, don't tell anyone because it's my secret, you know. Tell us. The whole thing with science, that's interesting. Sean Tracy's really good. You tell them so people understand and learn about it. You don't do it so you can publish in some stupid journal that no one reads. Well, I know I'm both. speaking out of turn. You can we, do both. Can't you? Just politically <laughs> correct, aren't you? You can do both. No, you can do both, but you need to do it so that the public, because that's the people that it's end up counting. Science. Citizen science. And we need a lot more involvement where citizens can play a big role in it. Yeah. That they can, because you've got all those fishermen out there that could be doing research. And I did it. We started actually with... Steph Brody, when she was doing it, and she, part of her research is to catch kings and catch dolphin fish. She was going to have to pay a charter to take her out to catch the fish and then gets a, a shit charter that can't catch fish anyway. So we organised, Phil Bolton, I think, organised it from memory, that we teamed up and we took her out, caught all the fish. So we sponsored it to a certain degree to doing the research because fishermen do. They are the true conservationists. We, we helped doing all the tagging. We're acoustic tagging kingies and yep. catching dolphin fish and doing it all. That is what we need more of. And you've got to get rid of these old school scientists that think they're too good. Well, there's a massive resource out there, isn't it? Mm. With just our wreck hangers. Oops, sorry, just put my Yeti cup down. All right, so we've had interruptions. We're trying to drink coffee. Now, going back to uh, Don Hammond stuff. Now, from memory, I remember him saying... And someone might correct me if I'm wrong, that they can grow up to an inch a week. Oh, my gosh. That's like a few centimetres. That's like almost a centimetre every couple of days. And that means then, so if you're thinking that, and they can grow like a few pounds a month, like a, a kilo a month, you're talking serious growth. Like you think of that. So that big fish I caught that was 25 kilos is... So what's that? Three pounds. I've got to work out now from pounds to kilos. So it's a kilo a month. So it'd be 25 months old at the most. Maybe That's 20 incredible. months old. So that much growth in two years. So they are one of the fastest growing fish, which is the great thing about this is that you can, for a species like that, 
is they're sustainable because you can catch bucket loads of them and they replenish quickly. So they're perfect fish that should be targeting. Gosh. You know, it's to me, it's, it's really good and logical about those sort of things that people should be exploiting. And finding out their movements and all these things are really important because for us on the East Coast, so going back over my side, mm-hmm. we've got the East Australian Current. So they're up in the Coral Sea, which is off Cairns, you know, with the giant black marlin and all that. And then they push down with the current and feed. And now they're going all the way down past, pardon me, down <laughs> past Eden, all the way towards Tasmania. Because that current is actually, and we're going to do a documentary on this because it's really exciting stuff. The East Australian Current has moved about 350 kilometres south, I think is what they said, in the last decade or last two decades, ever since they started measuring. I might need to check my facts on that one. But it is actually moving south. It's still fascinating. And all our fish are going south with it. So everything's moving south. And it's changing. And so, of course, the mahi is spearheading that. They're right on that front edge of the current. Like, it's fascinating that this is a tropical and subtropical fish that is now living in temperate waters. It's incredible. And then we've had these bizarre things where they get caught. The guys bluefin fishing down in Portland in Victoria, then Western Victoria, have been catching dolphin fish every few years. Yeah. Like, Which it's still 18, 20 degree water, but in the absolute most bizarre spot out of the blue. Yeah. So they really are a wide-ranging fish. But here is a question. They come down that East Australian current every year and you get in places like New South Wales where the current's in close, so you've got fads like fisheries fads and you've got lots of private fads, you've got fish traps and, and flotsam everywhere. Mm-hmm. You get millions of dolphin fish, right? From little ones that are, you know, 20 semis long to proper metre-long monsters. My question is, where do they go? And that's what we don't know. No one knows, yeah. What we think, and all the game fish, but they're only small, like a marlin could swim back up, but what we, well, I'd guess they do is, they wouldn't go back up in that current because it'd be too hard. Mm-hmm. So they'd go down, and maybe they'd go out to sea and come up the Norfolk Rise, which is Lord Howe Island, um, the Wanganella Banks, all that area, which is famous for its striped marlin. Maybe they do that, which is hundreds of miles offshore. Again, we don't know, and we need to know. Yeah. That's the frustrating part. All right, let's get back to it now. We're going into my notes because I'm such a professional. So, yeah, talking about them, I found them in bizarre spots over the years. So I remember one day I was out fishing and dead flat, cubing for yellowfin. I think it was 18 degree water. This is off Sydney. Right. And we looked out and there's a bow wave coming towards us like, oh, yeah, it's a mako shark, not a problem at all. And it's coming up and we're looking at it going, oh, yeah, it's coming closer. And you can see the blue in it. So I thought mm. it must be a striped marlin or something. It comes up to the back of the boat and I hand feed it and it's like a meter long dolphin fish. <laughs> and I'm hand feeding it in the water. And I hate to say I then caught it and ate it. Oh, well, well at least that's what you're out there for. And he's we well can fed. resist a dolphin fish. Yes. My tacos. That's the one. <laughs> so, yeah, it, you know, it just swam straight up the boat. And I still remember to this day thinking, my God, bizarre, isn't it? So there, there's fish that turn up anywhere. Now, during the summer months, as we're saying, and we're going to profile the East Coast a bit here, East Coast of Australia, because that's the home waters and stuff, that mm-hmm. we can really give it. So during the summer, they make that annual migration south with the current. They're going to New South Wales, and it changes. They can be north coast New South Wales in January. You normally see some really big dolphin caught. Right. What's interesting is they're not caught around the fads. They're caught out in the open with the guys blue marlin fishing. So plays like Port Macquarie where they've got a strong game fishing fraternity there that chase blue marlin, 
they catch some big dolphin fish. And guess what? what? That's where I caught my one. I wasn't chasing blue whale. I was just hoping to catch anything back in those days. So I won't say I was an expert. But yeah, and the guys up there have been catching. So quite often you see smaller fish on the fads and the bigger fish are out on the open. And we're going to go into that later on about different techniques and stuff. On the West Coast, it's very different. So you guys over there, A, you're coming out all shelves miles out. And it's the same as the guys in New York and places like that. That The shelf's like... 50 miles offshore or something, you know, or 100 miles, I think it might be there. It's 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 a long way out. For you guys, it's the same. So those fish are travelling down, but they're a lot wider. What I find interesting is you guys don't seem to catch the monsters. No. I'm, what, what was what did we say the record was? 15 kilos or something. That's a tiny dolphin fish for the East Coast. Yeah. Well, they obviously breed them bigger in the East than the West, <laughs> I suppose. So. It'd have to be, surely, there's not the population out there fishing off the shelf as there would be for you guys where it's in closer so once again your citizen science comes into play where that resource is well and truly all over your area where the dolphin fish is whereas here being so much further offshore there's less of a population out there i will put it as an east versus west that obviously the east coast fishermen are better than the west coast fishermen (laughs) because we catch bigger dolphin fish there you go i'm putting it out there now i'm sure i'll get a few responses to that (laughs) we won't burst that little bubble (laughs) Eddie and Chad and everyone will be like, what the hell? Dylan will be going, listen here, Al. Actually, speaking of that, I went out years and years ago with Emma George and Ash. That Emma used to do that pole vault stuff mm-hmm. when she moved to Perth. And we went out and fished the Rottnest Trench. And it was, my God, it was a long way out from, like, you go to the island, then you go to Rottnest and all the way out. But, man, we had some fun on the fads out there. I bet. And I think that was pretty much, in those days, and this is a long time ago now, there weren't a lot, the fads in New South Wales weren't as prolific as they are now. Right. But I looked and went, what a great fishery. We'd go out, you catch herring at the island, run out there and catch all these dolphin fish. We had a ball out there. Yeah. But, you know, and this is one thing I love, that fishing's changed so much over the years. It's a lot harder. Whether we like it or not, there's less fish. We're just better at catching them. That's why the numbers are staying up. Mm-hmm. But mahi, and, and I suppose what I'm trying to get at there is new people into the sport. So say... and single mum wants to take her kid fishing she's got a boat license she's got a bit of experience you wouldn't go marlin fishing because it's bloody hard yeah you'd be lucky to catch a kingfish if you're in new south wales the poor old kingies fisheries have just ignored them and pretended they're okay and they're getting flogged to the buggery you wouldn't catch those flathead you can still catch but that's boring to catch a good do it but if you went out to the fads chances are you catch dolphin fish and that's one thing that's happened fishing's getting harder so we need species that are easy, easy to catch and we need and to lay off on... growing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it, fast growing and they taste good. And we need to lay off species that are, are slow growing and because they're the ones that get hit harder. I mean, we saw what South Australia did with its snapper. These beautiful old fish, you know, 30-year-old fish, flog the living daylights at them. Good work, fisheries. You let the commercial guys... And it was the commercials that did a really bad effort down there. Like, I'm pro-commercial, but what they allowed some of those commercials are... That's just the time in the background that we're hitting that, that moment. Is that the commercials there flogged the crap out of them and were allowed to yep. and everyone ignored it. And you're catching 30-year-old fish and guess what that does? It takes 30 years for them to come back. So now you can't fish for snapper in South Australia. Of course, but isn't there a relative amount of ignorance out there as to what our fast-growing fish and our slow-growing fish are, though? What's that say? Research again. We need more research, need more education. And Definitely. we knew the snapper was slow-growing, and they still did it. And the thing is now, and this is what it goes back to I'm just saying about 
what do you fish for? So now you've got no snapper, so your mainstay fishery. So what can South Australians fish for? Squid or whiting? They haven't got really many dolphin fish down there. My argument is, is that we need to change the way we manage fisheries. And squid, for example, are a good one because they, they're only 18 months. That's it, done and dust. They're even quicker and faster and it's all done. So you can target them. But allowing them to do that, because I remember a guy cracking the sads, this idiot fisherman, and I think he was from South Australia, going, telling me off for catching that big swordfish years ago when I did it for um, monster fish for the US. Now, I ate all that fish, and we ran out in under six months for a 230-kilo fish. And knowing you, you would have delivered it around to everybody as well. No way. I kept it all for myself. <laughs> it's too good to eat. I'm not sharing that stuff. Except Cooper was sharing it out at school and trading it. He was trading it for lollies and drinks and... We might even try and get him on, even though he's on the other side of the country, because he caught his biggest dolphin fish the other day off Sydney. And I don't know how we do it. We might try and Skype him yep. or FaceTime him and put him in later in this, this podcast. Outside of school hours. Yeah, yeah, because he's homeschooling at the moment. But what I was saying is just before is that, and this bloke was giving me a hard time for killing a really old swordfish, which was only eight years old. So swordfish grew really quick. But he then had all these photos of killing these snapper. And you sit there, and this is what we have to do. This is why we're talking about, it's not digressing this time, it's about dolphin fish being good. They're a good species to catch and look after. We do need to take the size limit off in New South Wales and just have boat limits. What's the current size limit? I think it's 50 centimetres or something over there. Why, if you catch undersized fish, you're gonna give them a hard time. They're not gonna be a high survival rate. You're gonna want to look after it and do it properly. So what you need to do is take the size limit off and just have a bag limit. Yes. Much better idea. Yeah. All right, let's get into tagging. So now we've looked after the fish, we're gonna go and focus on the other end completely, and we're gonna talk about tagging. So in New South Wales, so the game fishing, New South Wales game fish, New South Wales game fish tagging program, which is run in New South Wales, but old mate Phil Bolton ran it for ages until they updated him or gave him a new role or something, poor bloke. By the New South Wales DPI. Yeah, and it's co, I think the Game Fishing Association support it. I support it with my recreational fishing licence in New South Wales. As do I, because I hold one. Good, that's it. And so it's a great idea. And I think since 73, when Jewel and Pepperell started it, there is now almost half a million fish tagged. Really? Making it the biggest in the world. And out of that, I reckon almost 10,000 fish have been recaptured in that time. So it's a fascinating thing, and I'm just going to see. I don't know what recaptures, recaptures, recaptures for dolphin fish. I love how it's so organised that I'm just checking it up right now to have a look and see. Dolphin fish recaptures. Here we go. So out of the ones, so they've had a couple of really interesting ones here. Dolphin fish was recaptured or tagged on the 12th of February off Wingdang Reef at Shell Harbour. So again, right in close. So Wingdang Shell Harbour is about an hour south, 40 minutes south of Sydney. And it was recaptured by a tuna longliner, I think it was, in September between Lifu and Ofu Islands off New Caledonia. So it had travelled... 1,176 miles, and that's in a straight line, and trust me, odds they don't swim in a straight line. The fish is the second furthest travelled of all dolphin fish recaptured under the program. And the record is held by a fish that was tagged at Port Stephens 
and recaptured in Fiji. So this is showing that these fish really do move. A, they can survive catch and release. It doesn't say their sizes though, which I'm, oh, hang on, no, no. During its liberty of 230 days, it went from 55. So there you go, it's barely size, or just size, I suppose, to almost a metre. So does that calculate? You better calculation than me. So 230 days has gone from, say, 50 to a metre. Yeah. 50 centimetres in, in a year. No, half a year, three quarters a year. Yeah. yeah. So that is a really fast growing fish. Oh, there you go. And according to New South Wales Fisheries, this is a modest growth rate. So this is probably where they can do it. Oh, they say even three to four mils a day. A day. Bloody hell. So to date, there's been in excess of 23,200 dolphin fish tagged and a recapture rate of 215 by New South Wales DPI Game Fish Tagging Program. So it's it's a fairly low recapture rate, but I reckon with dolphin fish, there's very high mortality rate. Not with tagging, just with they only live, you know, a few years. You can't. They don't live much beyond two years and have a maximum of four years. So yeah, so four years. So your recapture rate's Gosh. never going to be high because if they die out in the middle of the ocean or get eaten, exactly, there's no. You're not going to catch them. But isn't that fascinating when it shows those sort of things? That it shows that, hey, so these fish we're catching in New South Wales or on the East Coast are travelling, seriously travelling. You know, it really does show that they're a, a wide-ranging fish. And that sort of exemplifies, as we said earlier on, that they're in all major oceans. We catch them around the bottom half of Australia. So they're travelling around in the Southern Ocean from the Pacific to the Indian Ocean. Yeah, right. And I guarantee, and for the guys at South Africa that probably listen... Is it the same for you guys as well? Are you catching them on the Indian and the Atlantic side? I dare say yes. So there's another one here that was um, that they've gone from fads. This is another interesting recapture. So it was caught off the Tweed Heads fad, which is up in northern New South Wales, right on the Queensland border. Mm-hmm. And it was recaptured... Uh, it was originally, sorry, let's go to the weights. It was three and a half kilos, 75 centimetres. And 88 days later, it was caught on the Port Hacking Flad by game fishing boat Marrowini, which is Roddy Finlay. Oh, really? Yeah, Roddy's boat, <laughs> Marrowini. Now, what's really interesting there is that shows that they're following that East Australian current down and travelling quite hard and going from fad to fad. So to me, that is a really interesting, you know, scenario. And just digressing, Roddy and I have been friends for God knows how long now. We first went Southwest Rocks. So Southwest Rocks is probably one of the places I've caught dolphin fish closest to the shore. Mm-hmm. Is about five hours north of Sydney. It's a little bay that tucks in that you catch marlin right in the bay. Like in water, you can run ashore. It is unbelievable. But you catch big dolphin fish in there as well. I've caught wahoo in there. Roddy and I went up there. This is sad to say it would be over 20 It'd be 20 years ago now, where no one really marlin fished. He rang me and said, oh, mate, caught a marlin at Southwest Rock. I said, let's go. Yeah. Popped the car, drove up there, hooked one of these things right in the shallows. And we underestimate, because in Queensland, they don't seem to, they're smaller or don't fight or whatever. They catch them on 8 and 10 kilo. Yeah. Down here, he is 24 and 37, yeah. and you still get drilled by the damn things. But yeah, that was right in, in the shallows there. So yeah, it's fascinating that you can see, going back to it, but again, the dolphin fish, that's it, and they're travelling down the coast. And see that 30 centimetres in less than three months. Yeah, they really are. goes back to what you're saying. These are fast-growing fish that are perfect for it. All right, let's look at 
males and females. So you got your bull dolphin and your cow dolphin. Mm-hmm. So your bull dolphin has a very square, flat forehead. So it basically goes straight up. Yeah. And it, it, it's quite obvious. And the bigger they are, the more they are. And if you look at photos, if you go to our Instagram account and you can see videos on, on my YouTube with bull dolphins, it's like they've run into a truck. Yeah. It's square across the nose. The females, or the cows as they're known, have a sloping forehead. So it's really easy to tell them apart. And pretty much as soon as they start growing, they form into that shape. Now, one thing I don't know, and again, if anyone can come back to us, do they both grow to the same size? Well, there's been nothing to say that they don't, so... Well... It'd be interesting to know if there is. Yeah, yeah because you get, you know, black marlin and blue marlin. All the big ones are females. Flathead, all the big ones are females. The males are only small. Yeah. But with dolphin fish... My biggest dolphin are always males. Yeah. I've never caught a cow to the size, so I reckon it's the other way. I reckon the males yeah. grow bigger. For spawning and all that, we know absolutely nothing other than I suspect they're spawning, or at least in the coral sea there, so that they're spawning up in tropical waters somewhere mm-hmm. or subtropical, well, tropical will be. Somewhere up there they're doing it. So when you look at the stats, they really do live life in the fast lane and they pretty much snuff it at four years. That's it. That's... I had no idea. I thought, mm. And do you know what's interesting? That the big yellowfin and stuff in Mexico only grow to about five or six years and they're attaining even much bigger sizes over 200 kilos. So while they're fast growing, they're not actually as fast growing as some other species as well. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Oh, gosh. So, yeah. You sound really excited about that, I don't, don't know, you? I am. Yeah, I no, am because I, I didn't realise. As I said, there's... Yeah. We all need to be educated as to what are the fast-growing species. And that's the important part that you really need to know. Now, a three-year-old fish can weigh in excess of 30 kilos. So that 25-kilo fish I caught could be just a couple of years old. Yeah. He just got the right food because they love eating flying fish. You know, you see them all the time out there. And especially this year, we had hot water on the East Coast. They're up there chasing flying fish and racing around. It's bloody awesome to watch. In fact, there's some great David Attenborough footage, which would be... Well, we've got killer dogs outside, is that it shows these flying fish coming out of the water, dolphin fish jumping and smashing them all in slow-mo. I'd do this job in a flash. I would absolutely love to do something like that. We've got a killer dog outside having a go. You should hear this dog. Ords has this dog that is absolutely terror. Like, it is a massive killer. It may chew on your toenail if you're lucky. She's a three-and-a-half kilo miniature dash hound. It's like a bald rat. All right, now, dolphin fish are ferocious feeders. You know, they eat literally everything out there. They, I mean, obviously, as we said, you've seen that spectacular footage where dolphin fish are smashing the flying fish, but I've seen them on saris jumping. You should see showeries flowering. Um, Showeries flowering. No, they're not flowering. They don't flower, so don't write in so that they, I'm saying they're flowering. Showering across the surface and then dolphin fish chase them. And you know what? Little dolphin fish will do it. You don't even need a big dolphin fish to smash them and chase them. Just really? little, little ones will do it. Yeah, because they'll fit anything down their gob. I've seen them photos them with turtles in their stomach. They even eat baby marlin. Basically, anything go down their gob, they'll do it. And you know what? That's what makes them such a great sport fish because you can catch them literally doing anything. Have you caught most of yours on like, lures or bait? or Lures, bait, fly... Um, trolling. Trolling is actually the best way. And we're going to go into it in a minute about for the really big ones because they're not often on fads. They're often way offshore on their own. But you know the funny part? What? You catch them blue marlin fishing and it's bycatch. So instead of catching it on 
15, 10, imagine eight kilo tackle catching a 20 kilo dolphin fish. Oh my God, that'd be insane. Instead you catch on bloody 24, 37. So, but let's talk about underwater observations. Now, we have a massive following for spear fishermen, particularly on Instagram because of all the underwater photos. Right. And what I want to do is just go through some observations that I've seen that can A, help them spear them better, and B, for fishermen to learn more about it and C, I just love learning about how they behave. For me with dolphin fish, you know, I've spent a lot of time in the water with them. And initially when you get in the water, so if you're on a fad or something like that, they will normally stay well clear. Mm. Yep, most of the time they'll stay back. Unless you're feeding them up, they might come in a bit quicker. But if you jump in, there's nothing in the water uh, to attract them in. They will generally keep their distance and look at you like, what What the hell's going on here, you know? I actually think I jump in the water. Yeah, you're laughing, aren't you? You're laughing. I jump in the water and they're like, wow, pink walruses are going north, not south. They're meant to be. I saw it on David Attenborough that they're in trouble. They're all getting squashed up in beaches. Oh, no, this one is down in the tropical waters. You can't I've got nothing to say. got nothing. nothing. (laughs) So what I've noticed is that they'll often stay back and what you do is you drift around and the key is particularly for spearfishing and the young ones are a bit young gun that charge in there, don't charge in there. Just drift in a bit, then go back to the boat. Or if you do a drift, just drift. Don't swim around a lot. Just stay and let them come to you because they're naturally inquisitive. Right. And sooner or later, they'll come up to you. The other thing I've found, and this is from a photography point of view, is you know when you catch a dolphin fish, it's beautiful and gold and blue and it's like they've been painted with a you know an artist's oh, brush. They're such brilliant colours. In the water, they're actually translucent. So that's where that camouflage factor comes in. It must do. They don't seem to have those bright colours at all. They seem to be translucent. And what you see is the eye. In the old days when we did Strike Zone, and Strike Zone was really for us that pioneering time where we really learnt underwater you know, it was designed for behaviour. For everyone that hasn't seen it overseas, is that it's actually the whole series now on YouTube, is that it was all about everything we we wanted to learn about the water, like all the fish, I should say. But because it was all underwater, we, we were, there were theories. So what we did was, Rod Croft and I, pardon me, I'm just about to yawn in the middle of it. It is exciting, don't <laughs> yawn. And designed a camera and trolled it around with a bait behind it to film interactions and how bait, the predator-prey, you know, behaviour and all that. Right. And with dolphin fish, they'd all race up on it, but you'd see their eye. They'd almost be translucent underwater. So as an underwater photographer, one of the biggest challenges is to get that shot. And when you take photos underwater, they're all translucent. They look crap. So what is it, not until after they've taken the bait? Yeah, sometimes when they've taken the bait, sometimes when they come close up, they'll put the colour on a bit more when hooked all the time. So it's quite fascinating whether it's a, a reaction. Adrian Gray, who's a mate over in the US who does some really good ones, he's got a couple of good ones over the years. Mm. But it's fascinating how they they, they change colour and your perception of what they look like on, on the boat to what they're in the water is totally different. I have seen them race out from when we've done a, a lap around an overturned dinghy that they've obviously had as a fad. When they spear out at you, they are just dashes of... Of blue. Yeah, so That's they're blue it. in the water yeah. as opposed or translucent blue as opposed to that golden yellow. Yeah. So there we go. There's another one. There's a lot of homework coming out of this one. Can you tell us, can anyone tell us why those colours change? So this isn't just about us informing you. It's about your feedback as well. How good's that? 
I feel like a teacher. All these kids that are homeschooling at the moment, all that. This is, kids in the middle. This is, I like to say Dr. Al, but oh. it's Teacher Al. That just sounds wrong. All right. While we're on that very wrong subject, let's talk about finding mahi. So now we're getting down to the nitty gritty, to the stuff you need to know to catch more fish. Fads. Fish aggregating devices. Do you know what I used to think it was? Fish attracting devices. <laughs> it's not attracting. It's aggregate. Aggra- ag- aggravation, you were going to say. It's aggravating. No, it's aggregation. Aggra- aggregation. All right. And if you keep leaning on your chair like that, they can hear those crackles every time you move. <laughs> Stop making me laugh. I'm just a funny bloke. You didn't laugh at that, did you? <laughs> all right. You're not really helping me here at all. I've got to just be honest. So in New South Wales... They've got a series of fads they run. So New South Wales and Australia, that is. I have to keep bringing it back because it's worldwide because we've got listeners in every continent on Earth now, apart from Antarctica. Yeah, right. That's, uh, sorry. <laughs> right, okay. That's fantastic. Um, but Field I know you're speaking about New South Wales, well and truly, but I have to say on that note that our wreckfish West is has just finished putting in um, fads up in Exmouth, they're rolling them out through our Brolis Islands next year as well. So I think fads are becoming... I reckon it's brilliant. Now, we fished it at Exmouth. We're up there with Rob from Northbank Boats, which is down South Australia. How's this? He towed his boat all the way from South Australia to Exmouth up in Western Australia, which is a real hot spot for fishing because it juts out and the deep water is basically straight off the edge. And... Toadie's boat up there. I like his North Bank. I like that seven and a half. It's a bit big for me, but I like it. Toad it all the way up there to start fishing and do like a long service leave, you know, a couple of weeks, I think a month in the end, a couple of months it was, to go fishing. And we went up there for GameX, which is a big tournament, to help him out. Bomber came down from Queen, uh, from the Northern Territory. All went there. Bloody good crew. Lots of little blacks. But they deployed the fats and we actually saw the flat the fad being deployed. Remember, I right, was getting yeah. excited about it. Remember I said, what are they towing behind the boat over there? They're dragging some <laughs> massive thing along behind the boat. And then, of course, went over and sitting there. Everyone's looking at me like, you're on drugs. And then we met the boys from Wreckfish West. And what's great is, and you might be able to fill us in, Ords, are they doing it or is Fisheries doing it? It's, How's it work over here? Uh, my only interaction has been with Matt Gallette from Wreckfish West. He's been in charge of it all. So he was the one that was up there doing the physical deployment as well. He's the one we spoke to it. So is it funded through fishing licences? I would say you'd have to be. It would have to be. I'd have to check with Matt. How about I drop him a text and find out? I reckon that's a good idea. We can do that live where we're going and get some info back. Now, what's really great, and we spoke to them briefly when we are there, and they were saying that it's hard to get them in. And I understand with shipping and stuff because you have to have it so it's registered that it's in there. And Can you stop creaking your chair, please? Payback's a bitch. Is that it's very, um, you know, you've got to have it so it's, they know where it is so ships don't run over it because there's a billion zillion ships out there these days. You know the funny thing? People talk about diesel being dirty mm-hmm. and how bad it is that you've got a diesel car and yet everything comes to Australia, every, everything comes to everyone in the world and it's on raw, on dirty diesel or whatever they call it, like the raw version, ships bringing it. They're not electric ships, boys. So it's for all those crazy greenies or environmentalists, your stuff all still turns up on a ship. Oh, wait, no, it flies in. Oh, turkeys they are, they really are. Anyway, on that side is that 
when you put these fads in, it can be really hard because you've got shipping and everything else. But you know what? You get those bloody greenies. You get the Marine Parks turkeys trying to stop it. So here you are creating more life for these fish and more sort of structure for them, and they'll fight you on it. The Marine Parks authorities, organisations, groups, zealots, Nazis, whatever you want to call them, whatever you want to call them, aren't always about the fish. They're about themselves a lot of the time, I think. Could be these things are really because fads are great. You create a whole ecosystem. Now we were diving just while we're talking about it. Is that in fact? No, I'll come into that, but later on, I'm going to come because we've got an exciting story about that. So stay tuned for that one. But these fads. So in New South Wales, so while Ords looks up how it was set up in Western Australia, in New South Wales. The Recreational Fishing Trust set them up and strung them all the way along the coast from Tweed Heads down to Eden. What they did was this year, and the silly buggers didn't promote it, is because there's a lot of fishing pressure. Because in New South Wales and Australia there, you're close to shore or the continental shelf is close so you can access very easily to the, you know to these grounds. So you get a lot of fishing pressure because the whole population live along the coast as a general rule. You've got spear fishermen, you've got fishermen. So these fads are hit on a daily basis during the season. So you know what they did? They've gone and put two out. So now when you go over, there's two like 500 metres apart. What a brilliant idea. Honestly, I sit there going, I don't know why fisheries don't promote these ideas, but for me, that is absolutely brilliant. So now you can reduce the pressure over a great area. And I think they've done it to a large number right along the coast. So finding fads... They're always up on your fisheries website. And I'm sure this is the same for overseas or game fishing clubs that, you know, and for any of our US uh, uh, listeners, I had to think about that for a minute, they let us know if it's the same. So in Australia, with public fads, you just go straight on to New South Wales Fisheries and there's a list with the GPS coordinates. But I'll tell you a funny story with that. One day with Phil Bolton from New South Wales Fisheries, we're out fishing way out wide, out in about a 1,000 fathoms. And I'm looking out and I go, why is there a fad out here? And he goes, there's no fads out here, Al. I went, there's a fad. We looked at one of the fads drifting down the coast. Oh. It had broken off. Because they don't actually, and this is what's really interesting, the reason you're not allowed to anchor on them is because they don't have massive weights on them at the bottom. They have a couple of sand anchors and a heap of chain. Yeah, and we- so what happens is you can uplift them really quickly because you don't need a lot to hold it, mm-hmm. but if you put additional pressure on it, it buggers it. And that's why they're made smooth so that you can't actually attach to it, which is a great thing. So if you see anyone tying up to a fad, report the bastards because they're wrecking it for everyone and it costs us more to go back out and fix that fad or recover that fad or, you know, or you're going out the next day and there's no bloody fad there because some selfish bastard's tied up to it because he's an idiot and pulled it away. We had one break loose in Perth. And make its way up here. It was discovered just just south of the Abrolhos Islands. Uphill. Mm. So it went. So the current turned around, went the other way. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, and it's great to see Western Australia. They've been a bit slow in for you know catching up and putting their fads oh. out. But it's great that they've actually done it. And what did Matt say? Matt said, "Yep, wreck fishing license money is what has spawned, has um, funded our fads." And you know what's great? So while the wreck fishers are putting money back in. What are those greenies doing? Nothing. As usual, they're doing nothing. Oh, she's shaking her head. But you know what? Every time I go off on a tangent with these bastards, because they don't go on the water, they don't contribute, they do, they certainly don't put any money in, 
So if you're a greenie, put your money where your mouth is and start putting some money in with research and joining us rather than whinging and sitting at home and having your latte at a cafe that should be closed. All right, ran over. <laughs> so when you're fishing around the fads, so finding the fads, they're all on the, on the fisheries websites, depending who put them in. There are also a lot of private fads, which are actually illegal. You're not allowed to put them in. And you Explain find those. Why. Well, if you put fads in, they get tangled up in shipping gear because you're meant to have everything because everything's navigation out there. You need to know where everything is so that they don't run over it. And I know coming in from at sea in one of those times that it wasn't quite dead flat, howling, terrible winds, and almost run over it. But on the very same note, you get a lot of fish traps. In New South Wales, we've got this terrible system where they're trapping fish with big chicken wire cages and it's, it's not a sustainable style of fishing. It's low quality, so it doesn't look after the fish and it shouldn't be happening. That's just my view. Uh, but they put their traps out too. So even though that you're not allowed to do it as a recreational fisher, they set their traps and you can run over those at any time. In fact, they've started a new fishery, which is out past the shelf, which I think is for, um, it's not slipper craze. I think it's for um type of crab or something. So it's like felt pads, I think, that they put out and they're on the... On these floats. Oh, really? But those floats. So the important thing there is to keep a lookout the whole time. And you see anything floating, go over to it and have a look. Anything. Absolutely anything. I was almost going to burp again then. It just felt oh, really gosh. bad for a minute. I was excited. So, yeah, anything floating, you race over and have a look at it because it can be something amazing. And on that very night, so Jeremy Cameron, we're out filming... Where was that? A couple of months ago now. Oh, no, no, a month. Only a month ago. So Jeremy Cameron's from GWS, which is Greater Western Sydney, AFL, Australian Football League. I don't even know if that's what it means. Anyway, for everyone overseas, it's the one where they run around and kick the footy to each other and like, I'm pretty, pretty real switched. Real football. Yeah, real football. Real football. I'm pretty switched on in my footy. I know it all. It's there. Yeah, I only played in Australia at the moment. Anyway, he's like one of the great players and a bloody good fisherman and hunter. So... All good AFL players are fishermen and hunters. <laughs> Pat Dangerfield True. as well. Look at True. it. Any others, if they don't play, if they don't hunt or fish or dive, they're generally not as good. That's all right. Our country boys. Yep, country boys doing. So Jezra's out. So we're filming fishing with mates and we're catching him his first mile and we're out there and, you know, we're searching around and he's turned around and said, what's that over there, the big brown thing? And I've instantly turned the boat in towards it, heading straight towards whatever it is Ends up being a massive log. Of course, I turned the bait too quickly. We've got three live baits out. And as soon as I turn, all the lines are across each other. And old Thomas Eisenhammer, who fishes his old mate Freshwater, will be shaking his head at this moment listening to this podcast going, Ow, I tell you, every time we go fishing, he tells me off. I turn too tight. I kick the murk in way too far. And it's come round. And the lines are all across each other. And everything went off. Overrun, bust off, tangles, everything's going to shit. It was an absolute mayhem. I lost mine, odds just fell off, and guess what? Jezza catches his biggest dolphin fish ever. It wasn't. Yeah. It was a good dolphin. Yeah. Tasted delicious too, I might add. But then we went over, and what it was, and if you go onto my Instagram account, you'll see this. This log that was like 10 metres long was insane. It was so covered with barnacles, it just looked awesome in the water. Yeah. 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 It was unreal. In fact... There's a YouTube video on my YouTube channel with it as well. And in slow-mo, you see it all moving. And I jumped in thinking, because this is like a gold mine for big mahi. 
We just caught them. I jumped in and swam over because we didn't get a bite as we came over to it. I cruised over to it, and all there were were little, like, um, unicorn leather jackets, baby kingfish or yellowtail for the guys in the US. There's even a clownfish in there, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, clownfish on it and all that. Way down south because you're thinking you're south of Sydney here. Yeah, absolutely amazing to see, but no dolphin fish. And it's the only time ever that we haven't seen it. Like, yeah. for me, you see that sort of stuff all the time. And there was a rude comment because I've just put up on social that you can – ask questions that we're going to add in at the end. And I will just put Jez's in right now. Jeremy Cameron put up something about seeing something beached on top of the log. <laughs> you know oh, I mean? that's not... You're not meant to laugh at that. It was I'm only when I went over the top. I got caught and my belly got stuck on it. So it was sort of like that, you know, rocking and rolling over the top. Seesawing. Yeah, and I kind of got stuck on the top of it. <laughs> I had my new diver R fins on one side. They're too big for me, so too good. And on the other side, my big fat belly. So I got caught on the top. And, of course, you guys came past laughing at it. And all I had was an audience underwater of all these unicorns and, and little clownfish all looking at me going, what? what the hell is that? So thanks, Jezza. Thank you for reminding us. So, yeah, so that's the thing. So anything floating out there is worth investigating. It's one of those things that you've just got to keep an eye out. And it's not just flotsam, it's also obviously fish traps or anything that you see. In fact, while we're over here in Western Australia, we've just been fishing the brolas having a blinder on blue marl and stuff. In fact, we caught our biggest blue marl I've ever seen in Australia with old Spags and Cody and Brody, and which was 700 plus, just throwing it out there because I'm pretty excited about that. And Ords, it was Pete on Balak, which is a beautiful old wood nut from uh, Queensland, beautiful made boat. He found flotsam out there. Didn't he find a float or something? A, a, a boy? That he did. He found a fender. Loaded with dolphin fish. Yeah. So the only dolphin fish caught were by the people that spotted the flotsam. Yeah. So there you go. That's why it's so important to find that stuff. And I'm pretty sure it was eaten as curry that night. I didn't get an invite for that, so... <laughs> so I've just got... Oh, now... Big fish offshore. This is probably the other thing for finding the fish. In places like uh, Vanuatu, all the tropical islands where there are some fads, but there are not a lot of fads, mm -hmm. you also see a lot of dolphin fish feeding, chasing flying fish. So where the white birds are. So when I fished Samoa was a classic example. So we went and did a doco on Samoa years and years ago. And if you saw a little white tern flying along and holding... He was nearly always on top of a blue marlin or a dolphin fish. Yeah, right. So that's where your observation goes beyond just what's on the surface to what's up above. Absolutely. So if you see a patch of flying fish coming out or you see frigates, frigates are another one. You see those big guys hanging around, they'll be on top because the frigate is the only seabird that can't land on the water. Really? They can't land on the water. And then they steal it all off their mates when they go back to shore. So poor old gannets and everyone else go into feed and then come back to shore the frigates hassle them, then they have to regurgitate their food and then they steal it. <laughs> and then they go and sit next to each other like best mates on the island. It's like, you guys are crazy. But yeah, so frigates are another good sign. So birds as well. And of course, as a general rule, cleaner water is better. Mm -hmm. So, and bait, you know, if you see bait jumping, get on it. Sowries as well in New South Wales, but as a general rule for everyone else, that's more a rarity because that's at the extremity of their range. But flying fish, patches of bait up north, and of course the birds. And that pretty much covers that whole side of it, you know, big fish offshore. So the next thing is fishing techniques. Your preferred method of catch catching them? Ah, preferred method. Good question. 
I like the way <laughs> that's not even rehearsed. So None the of it's best. Rehearsed. We get up. That's why we've got alarms going off, dogs barking <laughs> in the background, creaking seats. Very professional. This show. Very professional. My favourite way is trolling lures out wide. Nowhere near fads. Nowhere near anything. Lures. I like to switch bait as a personal thing because lures, everything falls off. But dolphin fish, you catch them. And interestingly, I've done a lot where I've trolled over the years and tried to switch them and I find it hard to switch them. If anyone has a technique out there that means they can switch dolphin fish better, I find them hard to switch as a personal thing. Switching bait or lures. Yeah, so if you're running teasers and the mm-hmm. dolphin fish come in and you pitch your bait like you chase a marlin, obviously, mm-hmm. I've found it hard to try and pitch them across, switch them over to the bait. But if I'm trolling to snag and drag, drag and snag, yep. trolling spread of lures, catch them all the time. Yeah, right. And a favoured lure? Anything um, in particular? Generally, you'd say small, but in the reality, the bigger dolphin just smash the biggest ones. Like, what was that one we caught, that massive blue marlin, that violator, that bonza yep. lure, or, yep. you know? The violator, yeah. Violator. What a great name for a lure. <laughs> Every time Ord's put it out, she just cringed. Don't you love it? Now you're laughing now. All right, we're back on it. Back on track. So, what was the other one? What's um, Ben Weston? What's the lures he does? He's got some good ones. Richter. Richter lures. Richter. They make some good ones as well. I love how he didn't know what it was. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. Ben, she didn't know what lures no, are. Right? Ben, it wasn't, so they got some good ones. He actually sent a whole heap to Cooper instead of sending them, send them to us. He sent them to Cooper. Uh, I think that's because he has more faith in Cooper's. Ah, <laughs> oh, right. Now, yeah. actually, actually, because we're just checking, because I think Cooper's coming online, so we're going to add Coops in and talk about his favourite techniques, and then we're going to continue. All right, now, we've got Coops on the line. Coops, are you there, buddy? Yep, me, hello. Oh, wow. You do sound like you're ringing into a radio station, mate. Instead, all I've got is a microphone on top of the camera and a laptop and Ord's next to us. So, that, so now, look, we're talking about dolphin fish this week on the podcast. Tell us about that recent, your biggest, what was your biggest dolphin fish? We only, it was pretty recent, that capture. So tell us about it. Oh, uh, well, it was, um, you know, we were marlin fishing out on the whale, just trolling around with light baits. Okay, hang on, the whale. Well, that that's, Some greenies are going to go yeah. burko that you just said you're trolling on the back of a whale. I take it that's landmark. Yeah. That, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a spot inshore. Inshore that, where? Where are we? This is the whole Sydney. world we're talking to. Inshore in, in Sydney, yeah. Right, yeah, in close. How deep is this in there? Oh, God. Um, that's, that's 40 to 70 fathoms, isn't it, or something? Uh, no, it's 40 metres. 40 metres? Oh. Yeah, it's shallow as. It's right in close. Yeah. It's one of those spots you, you that's really. I have great memory. Yeah, and that's see. So I guided you to that fish. So realistically, it's partially mine. And you know the the um, stud muffin alarm is going off on the background there again. I noticed. So yeah, all right. So walk us through that fish, mate. Tell us. So for everyone out there listening, walk us through how you caught that fish. Oh, well, it was a it was a telling all day. We were, you know, we went out in the morning, caught caught slimies, and then drove out and. Put them in really, look, found the bait, put them in. And How do you rig them? How do you rig them? This is, this is a million dollar question. You get, we, we use nano hooks with a hundred pound line and we um, use a dacron loop on the hook. Yep, and we put it up. Through, through, the, 
through the Swami's nose, which doesn't hurt them. It doesn't affect them at all. You can tie it up and then they're perfectly fine. They'll live forever. And then you... um. Well, not unless they get eaten. <laughs> then they're not so happy about it. You're dragging them around until they get yeah, eaten. But... <laughs> they don't live forever they'll when they have. We don't want them. They'll live until they get eaten. All right. They're cool. So and what then, happened um, with the dolphin when it came in? Oh, that was... He, God, he came racing in and smashed one of the poor baits. Bloody chicken raced off, you know. And so we picked up the rod and, you know, I've got in the rod. And um, he's racing around on the surface, jumping around, you know, lit up like a Christmas tree. And it's, it took, what, 10 minutes? Oh, it would have been a good 10 minutes because I think you were using the brand new Stellas too and that new yeah, switchbait rod that you seem to have helped yourself too. <laughs> yeah, no, so we, um, you know, just usual technique, find it nice and slow, you know, don't pull too hard and um, just lift the rod up, take a bit of line, you know, no, you don't need to, you don't need to freaking pull it in as hard as you can. But, um, no, just... Did that got him in because they usually tire themselves quite quickly with how much they race around and jump and all that. But you know they they fight fight bloody well. Yeah, great, isn't all that jumping and stuff like that, and then come up awesome. the boat all lit up gold and green. It's bloody awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And how big was he? Fifteen-ish. Uh, yeah. So that is what's this for interesting? That is the same as the record for West Australia. They only get them up to about fifteen kilos over here apparently, and yet over there. Our record is 38 kilos. Did you confirm that? No, I confirmed it off your... You looked it up, Ords. Stop me. It's nothing to do with me. It's you. I'm just going by you. So for everyone out there, Ords has confirmed that it's 15 kilos out of Exmouth for West Australia. That was the McGlashan fabrication. (laughs) And Coops has equaled the record on the East Coast. It might also be because they can never get out fishing because of the wind. Yeah. Oh, Worth double points. <laughs> so now tell us, Coops, that was your biggest one, but I remember you catching one with us when, and I think you were tuna fishing at the time, and you caught that one was, that was bigger that was, than you. That was a long time ago. And uh, that was, that, it, I mean, it wasn't a big fish. But you were it tiny. Was, it, was a, it, it was a nice fish, yeah, but I was tiny back then. Are you cute yeah. then too, Coops? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. Yeah, nothing's changed. Good call. So now, so with that one, you were just trolling lures, correct? I think so. Oh, I'm glad that you really switched on with this. That he you know, was only little. Yeah, well, yeah, he's, got, he's got to be he's on the ball. Six. Oh, I don't know. Or something. Oh, I reckon. I reckon we would have been. Uh, you were. We were trolling lures and searching yeah. for bluefin at the time and stuff. So, right, so yeah. Now, for someone out there that wants to catch tuna, oh, sorry, catch. Uh, let me start that one again. For someone out there that wants to catch mahi, what are your tips for them? What would you say they have to do? Well, for that big one that we caught, that was more of a random sort of, you know, just drove across him sort of luck situation. But um, if you go out and you can find a fad or some sort of structure, you know, a log or a tree or something, they'll usually be heaps of them on it and, you know, you can chuck all sorts of lures at them and they usually pretty aggressive fish yeah so you should be all right also you know ladies and all that they'll bloody smash them now actually thinking of that remember ages we went out with um uh pete and all that out and fished on the shore found some fads and you and i jumped in and swam around with them for a while 
you were yeah. still only a young fella then, responsible dad, yeah. just jump in and you know, 100 <laughs> fathoms swim around. But how cool was that swimming with them as well? Oh, it's bloody awesome. You know, and they're pretty, they, they were pretty curious, those ones as well. You know, they swam straight up to you, you know, and they're all lit up because, you know, they're bright green. Well, that's you know, the interesting part. I remember them being quite translucent, the water, unless they came right up close to us. They seemed to disappear. Yeah. No, the, the water was pretty clear that day. Yeah, it was pretty clear. Yeah. I'm glad you just right, Dorocab. I, I, I can remember it pretty well, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting old and, you know, memory's fading, you know, it's just all disappearing and stuff. Your like memory that. was never any good anyway. It was good. It just disappeared with age. All right, now, just in closing, because I know you have schoolwork to do, what would be... Yeah, no, you've still got work to do. Don't try and hide it. I'll find some work for you to do. (laughs) Actually, first, we should promote the fact that that dolphin fish we were talking about before is on your Instagram, isn't it? Or have you put it up or are you going to put it up? No, I think it's it's, it's up. And what's the Instagram account? Uh, Cooks in the Glacian. Following in the steps steps of a very (laughs) good-looking bloke. Stew. Oh, Oh, painful. Finally, Coops, what is the best thing to do with dolphin fish when you catch them? What? Tell us turn your favourite. Turn them into tacos. Yep, turn <laughs> them into tacos. Mahi tacos. <laughs> you can't get it. You, I, I reckon that's probably one of the best fish products you could get. Yep, it Mahi is the tacos. best on earth, isn't it? Besides swordfish, that, that's it's. Hey, we haven't done swordfish tacos. That would be. That's a good idea. Yeah, I like it. That's so maybe someone out there can tell us about swordfish tacos. Yeah, okay. maybe someone out there has got that. I want to do it ourselves. Oh, that's even better. That I, is I, can make, I can make up for losing that big one. Bloody oath, yes. <laughs> that's another whole conversation we're going to have. All right, we'll yeah, let you go. <laughs> we'll let you go and we'll continue with the podcast. Okay, sounds good. See ya. All right. So now we've covered off, you know, Techniques and obviously driving to the fish. What else? There? So casting poppers, stick baits, soft plastic, so artificials mm-hmm. is dynamite as well. And one of the great things around the fads is that you cast like little halco, little rooster poppers. Mm-hmm. Bloop bloop, boom! The bites are awesome. Generally, I've caught smaller fish during it, but on the same note, I haven't used that massive one ninety, the super dupe. What's the big rooster popper called? The haymaker. I reckon that would work well. In fact, we carry it sometimes when we find, when we're looking for logs out in the middle of nowhere, and you chuck the popper in first to see if there's anything in there. So you always have one rigged ready to go when you're marlin fishing. Or on the same night, when you're trolling lures, have one out there, have a lighter outfit ready to go. So if you do get a bite or find a log or something, and you've got a set of 80s out for blue marlin, don't worry. Just get your spin rod, you get a little 10,000 Stella there, straight out. Yeah. With switchbait rod, you're in the money. So that's another trick. And I always carry a popper or a little stick bait or something like that on there as well. And of course, plastics work a treat around the fads when everything else is going to be quiet. When everyone else smashes them, the dolphin will generally go down a bit. Because think there's a lot of pressure on those fish, you know. Boats on it, everyone's driving around, you got Muppets driving over other guys' gear, all that sort of stuff. So what they do, go down, get some plastics, little flick sticks. You know, white ones are my favourite, but you can use all different ones. And drop it down a bit and twitch it up. Mm-hmm. Remember, these things eat non-stop. They have to eat. So even when the boat traffic's bad, they're still growing a couple of mils a day. They need food. So change it down again, and it can help you catch those fish. And, of course, to a, nat- to a, to a certain thing, it's match the hatch. 
But you know what? With dolphin fish, they eat everything, so you can match it with anything yeah. when you think about it. But they do get fussy at times. Like I said, those little yakkers, uh, the little silver poppers, the little rooster with the silver and red, I don't know what colour it is, Ben or Tim or Curtis will be able to tell you that one, dynamite, they love it. Mm. Absolutely love it. So little tricks like that that play a really important role. The other thing I will say, when you're fishing heavily fished areas like the fads, there's two times they're really good. One is after a rough week. So you know those weeks where it's howling for a whole week? Everything's been stirred up. And no one can get out to the fad. So they haven't been fished. Plus you've got fish feeding in. Remember, they're in the current. They find the fad, they'll stop. So they're coming in and feeding up on it and stacking up on it. So more and more fish are stacking up. No one's fishing it, no pressure. So if you get out there first, you get an awesome bite, plus you get the bigger fish. Well, wasn't Rob's straight off of the fad that had been deployed that afternoon? Uh, you're going to have to go a little bit more. De- oh, Rob from Rob, Rob Cummings Cumming. from North yeah. Bay. Yeah, so we caught, and that's quite interesting, we caught fish off a fad that had been deployed within the space of an hour or two. Yeah, yeah. So that's how quick they work. The other thing worth mentioning on that very same note is that if you have that week where it's rough weather and no one fishes, and when you get out first, you will catch the biggest fish first. Because so the biggest ones eat the most, they're the dominant ones, you clean them out first. The same with the guys that are kingy fish or yellowtail fish, if you want to call it the US. When the kings move in on a reef mm-hmm. and it's a mixed school or, you know, the bigger ones are the first to be caught. You see this trend happening over and over again, yeah, which is why we need to look after the bigger fish. Same with dolphin fish. So if there are a couple of big ones in there, you race in there and get it first, you tick the box. So for that, you need to, I'm not saying go to sea in rough weather that's, you know, beyond your capabilities. As a skipper, you can only go to sea in the situation you're comfortable in. Just remember that. Doesn't matter about your boat, doesn't matter about anything else. You know your limits and your boat's limit and you'll be safe. So a really good skipper can go to sea in a tinny. A moron can't go to sea in a a 50-foot Viking doesn't matter the size of your boat. It's totally irrelevant. It's the skills of the skipper and knowing his limit. But if you sneak out, the day that weather starts to calm down and you're the first boat on those fads, holy moly, you could be in for the bite. So make sure make sure you take lots of live baits. Make sure you take lots of, you know, you're prepared for that. Yeah. So we're just going to, so we've covered off. I'm just going through it all. Make sure everything's covered so we don't have to ask too many questions at the end of this. Matching the hatch. Fish in the fads. What about getting the shot? Ah, we are up to that. Actually, you know what? Just before, fly fishing. My old mate Justin Duggan and um, Mark the Dock and all that love their fly fishing. Mahi are built for it. You pull up at those fads, cast a fly in like a little clouser or, I don't know, bait fish imitation. I'm not a big one on fly. I don't know enough about it. Absolute dynamite. You know what? They jump. They carry on. They're awesome fish. So they're perfect for fly as well. So it's lure, fly, natural bait, skip baits as well. I've caught a couple of big ones on skip baits as well. Yeah, right. So, yeah, over the years, we've caught them on everything. They're bloody great fun to catch. Now, when you catch one, you want a good photo, okay? Now, this is an important part. So while it's mainly a fishing podcast, it's, you know, best job in the world, which it is, the job is getting good photos. So the problem with a dolphin fish is you get them on board, they go berserk. Mm-hmm. Scar up very quickly. Yep. No, nothing. They don't <laughs> scar up. Right, okay. You just stopped. You went, they scar up and just went. Well, they I was do. expecting another statement to come at the end of that going, <laughs> Especially oh. Especially if you mishandle them like I did the no, first one. No, there is no way to handle them. So they have a way that's the old Hawaiian or the island way, which is you have a loop 
and a short length of mono and a blunt hook. And then you pin it in the head and wrap it around the tail. Yeah, right. Blow the fish around and hold it. Yep. For us to get photos, what you want is the minute it comes on deck, you don't want to scratch the side because they're quite fragile. You want those beautiful colours. You want the wet towel down or... Yep. So what we try and do is catch it and keep one side clean. So as soon as it comes on board, lock it down on on the bottom. Now, be very careful if you've got trebles. Of course, all trebles should have the barbs pressed down. You can't go and grab... If you've got a circle hook in, you can grab it and hold it down. Mm-hmm. If you've got trebles or a pair of bloody 9-0s or 12-0s in a big game lure, that's why I like running singles these days as a general rule, you don't go grabbing it. You need to secure that fish first. I remember years ago, some guys fishing at Bermagui caught one and he went to lift it over the side and as he did, obviously way too close, the swinging hook went into his forearm. Oh. So now... Picturing this, you've got a 15 kilo dolphin fish attached to the front hook. The second one is now embedded in your arm and the dolphin goes bananas. So it's buried into his arm. It's turning around. It's got all these tendons. It's got muscles. It's got veins. It buggered him up for the rest of his life, like seriously caused some trouble. So there's two things. I would always recommend carrying a set of decent cutters on board. I carry them because... I've had it attached to dogs, myself and dogs. and <laughs> The, long list, st- grows the list goes on. I've put fish and myself joined together. Get those pliers in there and cut like a good pair of cutters and cut the damn things off because it's dangerous. So securing the fish is absolute paramount. But when you get it, so there's two ways we do this. One is try and tire it out over the side. So when it comes to the boat, it's worn out. We try and do photos over the side of the boat. Again, be careful. When I was in Samoa, I was jumping in and doing underwater yeah. and we were meant to have single hooks on everything. Anyway, and I've got two dolphin fish on, and I'm trying to film one and look at the other. One of the others jumped over my head, and I've still got the footage, and I hooked up my snorkel with the second oh. hook and ripped it out of my thing. So much for single hooks. There was a bloody doubles in there. So imagine if that was in the side of your head. I'm just saying that this is a real priority. You need to be conscious of it all the time. So when you get the fish, secure it, get it on board, but keep one side clean. You've got to keep it clean. For those photos, when you get it, so once you've secured it, get the hooks out. And there's a habit of these guys putting their stupid stick baits hanging out of its mouth. So they can, they seem to be more interested in getting a photo of the stick bait and not the fish. And I, for the life of me, even I have to do it like with, you know, Halco and Shimano, you meant to put gear and lures in and all that. Even I avoid it a lot of the time because it can be really dangerous. If you do it, make sure the fish is dead. Because I had years ago... Oh, mate, and that's why I'm so, so against it. Ken Boyk and I hold up Big Kingy. I got him to hold it up while it was still alive, and it shook and put the hook straight into oh. his leg. So he's attached the fish and it. So I'm just saying it's dangerous. It's a dangerous practice, and they try and promote it on Instagram and stuff like that and, you know, social media channels. It's not a good one unless you know exactly what you're doing. You spoke of Balik before. Yeah. We bought a yellowtail kingfish on board. It was a, a large one, and it threw itself around with the treble still in its mouth, and... It was like watching a kid's game of jump rope or something. We were all leaping out of the way. It was, it's just a... It is. Frightening. It is dangerous. So once you have the fish secured and it's safe, grab it in the gills because what you want to do with photos, to hold it up and get a really good 3D photo is you don't want your hands in, in front of the fish because it, it impedes the fish and you're there for the fish. You don't want a big set of fat fingers in there. And i got fat fingers anyway, so that doesn't bloody help. 
So you want it where it's in and you hold it from inside the gills, and this is a good way to secure it. So you hold it on the gills on the far side, using the front side of the fish that hasn't been scratched or tarnished or gaffed or bleeding, mm -hmm. clean all the blood off. For God's sake, make sure it's put some water on that fish, make sure it's clean, hold it up and roll the top of the fish over so that it's flat. Because what people naturally do is they pull it back in against them so it leans back, roll it over and turn either the head or the tail towards the photo and push it over as much as you can so it's upright. Because a dolphin, especially a big male, looks so cool in photos. Yeah. It's amazing what a difference that angle can make. You prove it time and time again. With just angling that fish slightly different, it looks like a completely different fish, changes size, everything, and definitely takes fish from doing it justice to, or not doing it justice to doing well, it justice. Well, that's it. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's photos of huge dolphin fish that look about 10 kilos. I can make a fish look 10 kilos or 20 kilos. And the whole idea is to make it look as big as you can because that's what you caught, because you've seen it on the deck, it's a big fish. Yeah. So always keep that side clean, mop it down and keep it as clean as you can. You can pull the fin up. There's a great photo that keeps it I was talking about before, the one with his big dolphin, and I'm holding the top fin. It either looks really good or really bad. So just experiment. The other thing is put the light over your shoulder. So the sun, you don't you can use natural light a lot of the time, over your shoulder, and make sure there's no shadows on the fish. Take the time to make the shot really good. These days with digital, you can actually look at your shot. So stop, look at it, make your angler stand there and hold the fish. If it doesn't look right, change it. Roll it over, turn the head towards you a bit. Sit in the corner of the boat. Put two anglers in there so one can hold the rod if you want a bit more colour in it. And for God's sake, smile. For all the talent out there or all the models that you're going to use, don't look unhappy when you've caught a massive dolphin fish. You're going home to eat dolphin fish tacos You've just caught a great big dolphin. For God's sake, bloody smile. And as a camo, make them smile. Make some jokes. Sex jokes always work. You make See, look, you just smiled. As soon as you say something about sex, they always smile. I was going to say that the dolphin fish is one of the most spectacular ones to photograph. So your job's not hard when you actually go to photograph it because they, they stand out, their colours, the vibrancy, the shape of them, everything. So If you make a bit of effort to make it look really good, and it definitely. is. It's not a lot of effort. You've seen it. We've done these photos, and it's not that hard. Clean the blood off. Make sure the fish is nice and neat and clean and do no scratches. Justice. Yeah, do it justice. That's a good thing. And you're killing it, so it's fine at that end, so that you're not going – if you're not going to let it go, if you let it go, it changes everything. And we tend not to take as many photos of them. Bigger ones we keep, so it's, it's harder to do. So take the time to get the right photo. Turn the boat so the shadows from all the rods and the rocket launcher aren't on the fish. Mm -hmm. Turn it to the side, get your anglers, everyone smiling and happy. If there's any blood, clean it off. It takes two seconds to make a really good photo. And do you know what the, mate, the big thing is? When you go home and boast to everyone about catching this amazing massive dolphin fish and you pull out this crappy, grey, dull photo and look at it and go, and they go, oh, that's not that big. It's one thing I've learned over the years. Make the effort to make it look good, and it's bloody amazing. That was my stomach rolling because I'm thinking about fish tacos. Because no, that's exactly the last thing we're talking about, and this is just on the same note. These fish are too important, right? Look after it. Do not leave it on the deck. As soon as you've taken your photos, gut and gill. So gut it out, rip out the guts, because you can also see what they've been eating, and there's always something in a dolphin fish's stomach. And then get the whole fish on ice. We've been doing this as tuna champions about encouraging it for tuna because you've got to look after the fish and you have to get on ice. A tuna can take, a bluefin can take ing up to eight hours to cool down, even in zero degree brine. So dolphin fish is a lot more manageable. So you get like a bag, 
can't really put them, unless you get one of those massive, massive Yeti Eskies, otherwise say a mad fish bag, like a fish bag sort of mm-hmm. style, use one of those. You've got a lot of ice because you didn't go to sea without ice, did you? You took ice out, like three bags minimum, 10 bucks. Put a bit of salt water in, gut and gill it, because the reason you take the guts and gills out is that's the hottest part. That's where it's generating the heat. Get all that out, clean it out, process it, and put it on ice. And then, of course, once you get home, I've actually got a video on my YouTube channel on how to fillet a dolphin fish. Haven't we? Did we put that up? We did. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So it's on there. Go on to Al McGlash and you'll see how to fillet it, skin it, bone it, rather than going through it here in the podcast, because then you turn them into fish tacos and ask my kids, and as Cooper said before, there is nothing like mahi in fish tacos. It is the best eating taco fish on earth. Yeah, I'm in full agreement. I'm a bit partial to kingfish, but okay. Well, that just <laughs> crashed and burned there. So there you have it. Let me check and make sure I have covered everything off. I'm pulling up my notes. All right, getting the shot above and below. Oh, we didn't talk about blow. Yes, we did. We talked about getting it close. Mm-hmm. I actually, just quickly on getting the shots below, is one of the best ways is to get the fish up beside the boat on the line. And I've tried jumping in with them, and it works okay. But you know what the best one is? Which you've been doing with your Laxus Go, you know, the mm-hmm. one that Alan gave you? Yeah. I'll get over the side of the boat. Boat's just in gear, out of gear, in gear, out of gear, and pull the dolphin fish on the line, bring him up beside it. And some of my best photos, although one, which is probably my best, it was a big dolphin we got these photos of, I had a rusty hook. And here I've got all these photos, this beautiful fish. You look at it, it's all over Instagram. And everyone goes, can't you afford decent hooks? <laughs> VMC cracked the shits at me. Everyone told me off for it. It worked. And then they're going, oh, that fish might die. Yeah, that fish is being eaten. It was going to die. So Its fate was sealed. Did anyone say what a great photo? Costa Sunglasses used it. Everyone goes, what an amazing fish. I put it up. Why using rusty hooks, Al? <laughs> what? What is wrong with social media? So on that note, we've covered everything off. This is dolphin fish. I am so sorry that I've taken a month, maybe two months to get to the next one, but that's all right. And you know what? How good is it to have someone in here doing it with us, having Ords do it as well? And even though she spoke about kingfish and didn't know all the wreckfish West stuff, poor Matt would be absolutely fuming about it that she had to text him for it. <laughs> she texted him in the middle of this. I just have to say that I was put in on this under duress. <laughs> you were not. You loved every minute of it. Coops is under duress. He's in the other side of the country. He can't even go fishing because of COVID-19 and COVID. You're COVID. just baiting him. COVID. Okay. Oh, COVID. Corona. Sounds so much better. <laughs> so that's it. We will get another podcast out soon because we might be stuck in here for a bit longer. But again, get on the social channels. Uh, we're putting up every week now. So we've increased it to weekly for Fishing With Mates. Mm-hmm. Is now on YouTube. We were doing it fortnightly. So every week that's going up. We're putting uh, weekly stuff up as well. So I think Fishing With Mates is going up on Thursdays. On Tuesdays, we're putting up more content as well. So twice weekly stuff is going up on YouTube. Social, Instagram, we're obviously putting more and more stuff up. You know, it's all good pics and we're learning to process them better. The recent trips, the big blue mile and all that sort of stuff to keep you entertained while you guys are at home. Of course, Facebook or Hatebook as they call it has been actually quite nice at the moment. There hasn't been too many un- unhappy people out there. So just stay safe. Stay, if you do go fishing, well, if you do anything outside, just stay away from everyone. Be a real, what's that, a hermit? No, not a hermit. What's the one? Antisocial. Just be antisocial while you're being social. That's it. So, So, yeah. And, of course, 
Other ideas for new stuff you want to hear for the podcast, just let us know. We've got for, plenty of time on our We've got plenty of time. <laughs> oh, yeah. The storms are going up for it. Look at the size of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're in for it now, buddy. Oh. Come on. Oh. How good is that? I'm Al McGlashan. Woohoo!